Welcome to the weekly podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, May 22nd, 2009. I'm Alana Rangi. Finally, my friends, it's almost summer, which can mean things like beach holidays, picnics, patios, and, well, kite flying. A couple of weeks ago, I caught wind of a kite flying and design competition happening on one of Manhattan's west side piers. Kites have a history rooted in science, and one that dates back to our oldest written records. These days, kites are sophisticated flying machines, and while technology has replaced many of the old uses for kites, a better understanding of engineering and architecture have led to new and improved designs. I tagged along for the Fly NY Day and followed a couple of architects through their design process. You, you take two triangles and join them together on one side. Okay. Like, like, like so. I'm in the Brooklyn apartment of Emily Fisher, and I'm helping, well, sort of helping, to build a cell for her tetrahedral kite. Like okay. So. And you just tape them. My name is Emily Fisher. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I became unemployed about three weeks ago to the day, and now I'm a kite maker. Well, a kite maker for the time being. Emily's been working on a kite for the Fly NY competition, a day-long fusion of architecture and aerodynamics on Manhattan's West 70th Pier. It's a few days before the competition, and I'm checking on her progress. This is a prototype. This is the, the you have to test it before you know it's gonna fly. Okay. And Emily's making a tetrahedral kite. Small, four-sided, solid triangular cells are assembled and stacked together to make a larger structure. The kite that I'm making is inspired by Alexander Graham Bell. These kites, or the, the kite that inspired the one I'm making, was built in a time where people were doing a lot of experiments with electricity and engines and flying machines. The tetrahedral is the smallest uh, platonic solid, right? It's a four-sided triangle, and it's also the strongest structure, like a... Uh, Buckminster Fuller had this whole study about he he patented the the tetrahedron. It was his what was it the the octet truss. You know, it was this. So it's something that's been patented for its strength. So we know it's very strong, and it doesn't require a lot of material. I mean, this is again, you know, at the turn of the century, this was the design of, of bridges and buildings. Like that truss structure was very prevalent. So it makes sense that it's going to fly. A couple of days later, on an overcast and sticky Saturday, I meet Emily on the Fly NY competition pier. Okay, I'm here with um, Emily again. I've met up with her. She's got her tetrahedrals all together. Emily, um, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm having some problems with the humidity. That we're having some delamination issues with the sails. So I bought my I brought my little repair kit, um, and I'm I'm taping. Scotch I'm re-taping. Tape the seams back together so that it's not the perfect, like the most ideal construction, but it's going to work. Emily's tetrahedral kite is one of about 20 entries in the Fly NY competition. Like Emily, many of the kite makers have modeled their designs after familiar flyers, like parasails, triangular kites, and windsocks. Kites have been around for a long time. The earliest written record of kite flying is thought to be about 200 BC, 
A Chinese general flew a kite over the walls of a city he was attacking to estimate how far his army would have to tunnel. Battle tactics aside, kites have played a big part in science. In 1752, Ben Franklin proved lightning was electricity when he flew a kite in a thunderstorm. The negative charges from the cloud leaked into his kite, and when he reached out to touch a metal key he'd attached to the string of the kite, he received a shock. 150 years later, the Wright brothers never would have gotten off the ground with their early edition aeroplanes had it not been for their extensive experiments with kite flying. Today, kite flying is a sport, one that requires an eye for design and a fundamental understanding of the physics of flying. Lift, drag, and good old gravity. Heinrich Hohlmann is an architect in Germany. He came to New York just to participate in the Fly NY competition. When I see his kite from across the pier, it's obvious he's no amateur. This kite is an, is an image of New York and the idea is to have a bird's perspective of the kite. It, we, we can look from the top of the city. There are different colors which show the different views of, of a town. There are lighter ones and darker ones and that's the shadowy side and there's the sunny side. It's a rectangular kite. The kite is a traditional kite from Japan. It's called Edo and Edo is uh, the old name of Tokyo. Edo time was from the 17th century to the mid-19th century and every town in uh, Japan has his own shape for the kite and this shape, shape was for Tokyo and the lines of this kite are very long, it's 2,000 feet altogether and that makes the kite very smooth in flying, so you can fly it in very bumpy winds and this is some sort of tail then, so oh. the kite is very stable, flies very stable. The techniques are new techniques, they are not the ancient techniques uh, from the Japanese kites, it's uh, modern kites uh, materials. We don't use knots to, right. to fix that, we only use loops like this. You can, you can solve it. Oh yeah, yeah. Make it, unpack it, and oh. you can fix it again. So that, that's what we are doing now in, in modern times. It, oh. in, in, in further times, uh, these kites were not unpackable, so they were just that size, and they were, you have to, to, to bring them away in that size. So, but I can fold it about that size, which is 10, 10 centimeters diameter. Okay. Wow, you would never guess because this is what, like 12 feet tall? Yes, about that. Kite making has been Heinrich's hobby for more than 20 years, and he's definitely an expert. He's not worried about his kite flying. Emily, on the other hand, is a little less sure about her tetrahedral structure, but when I check back with her, she's picking up her kite and moving down the pier towards the judge's table. Okay, so we're moving. Why are we moving, Emily? Uh, I believe that we're just going to go to the judge's sort of table and do the little dog and pony show. And Because why? None what of them the will fly. News? There's no wind. There's very, very little wind. There's like one super kite that someone has managed to get into the air. Victoria Walsh and Hannah Purdy co-created Fly NY. They're both architects, and despite the wind problems this afternoon, they say it's more about the end result. Here's Victoria. I think all of us 
really wanted to be a part of something bigger than our day-to-day existence. Yeah, you know, we all are very busy and we all um, are, are well connected in our architectural realm. And I think that this event gave us an opportunity and it will give us an opportunity in the future to take our talents and share them with the general public and hopefully engage more people in the process of design. And here's Hannah. There's also, I think, a, a real element of it that's like teaching. So what it's just getting out and being creative with people who don't necessarily have a background in design or architecture. Like it opens your whole mind up to how design works. And especially with kids, you start to see how they... Um, how their brains function and how they start to think about design and how they start to think about things flying. And I think we learn so much just from getting out of the office mm-hmm. and saying, all right, you know, let's try something new. Like, this is a completely new platform for us. We don't usually design kites or we don't usually, you know, do things that move in the air. <laughs> so having, uh, having that is just like, it's very refreshing for us as designers. The chance to experiment with new materials and structures definitely appealed to Emily. In fact, her final version is completely biodegradable, using drinking straws made from cornstarch, cotton string, and paper as a sail. Emily's prototype tetrahedral kite also explored design, as Victoria explains. What I really appreciated about hers was that she did two versions. She did a prototype and then the final version. And I actually loved the prototype even more than the than her final version. And what I loved about it is that she took this typology and she made it her own by trying to make it collapsible. And she designed it so that, you know, in fact, the whole thing folds flat. And then when you expand it, it becomes what you would recognize as a tetrahedral kite. And it was really well done. It was nice to see someone kind of take that level of exploration uh, to it to try and design something new. Back outside, something incredible has happened. The wind has picked up. Wow, it really did pick up quickly. All right, so so now there's a lot of action. Kite designers race to get their kites in the air, Emily included. After a few failed attempts, it finally happens. Emily's tetrahedral kite flies. Modeled after something designed more than 150 years ago, it's kind of amazing. A couple minutes later, a panel of Fly NY judges announced the winners of the competition. And um, then uh, we had a special category called um, Best Failure to Launch, (laughs) which went to the 3D, milled on the 3D milling machine shape of an actual airfoil as on a plane wing, ironically. That's called bluefin. The next one uh, is actually slightly more geeky than the Geek Chic prize, the collapsible Tyvek tetrahedron. I find Emily after her victory. Second prize! Second prize! I was like down at the end of the pier. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what? where is everybody? How do you feel? You know, it feels really good. Also, um, to be like the non-European and the, <laughs> the girl. Um, you know, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty proud. I'm, I am more proud that it flew than any sort of recognition for its flights. That it did what it was supposed to do. It was successful, the design worked, awesome, it's a good day, 
It has indeed been such a good day. Thank you for letting me follow you around. <laughs> Thanks for helping uh, fly it. <laughs> All of the kite designs from the day will be auctioned off on May 28th to support architecture for humanity. For Science in the City, I'm Elena Rangi. Thanks for tuning in this week. Can't get enough of Science in the City? Well, now you can follow us on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash city. That's S-C-I and the city. You can also, as usual, find us on Facebook. Science in the City is a non-profit program of the New York Academy of Sciences. That means we need your continued support to keep bringing you this weekly podcast series, as well as the rest of the Science in the City program, like our awesome event series and our website. For more information or to support Science in the City today, log on to scienceandthecity.org slash donate. As always, we would love to hear your feedback on any of the programs we run at Science in the City. So send us an email at scienceandthecity at nyas.org or you can leave us a voicemail at 212-298-8654. See you next week.